Okay, guys, today's a big day. A lot of trash talking has been happening. <laughs> well, well, I know that my palms are sweaty. Let's be clear. You did a lot of trash talking. Yeah. In all because if you guys are wondering, what time is it, Ray? It's game time. I'm just not feeling that. I feel like I won the unofficial one earlier, which means I'm dead now. No. Oh. It's game time. Sorry. It's game time. Ray's got a game for us. Poetry for Neanderthals. Dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> or poetry for Sasquatches. Yeah. <laughs> no, different different Sasquatches, its own complete species. Let's not. Start. Okay. Oh, Sorry. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So this is how we play the game. If we were if we were live, I would have an inflatable club. And each one of us will get to hold this club when the person was reading a card. So here's the deal. I have to try to describe a word that is multi-syllables most times by using singular syllable words, speaking like a caveman. Welcome to Second Take at Eastlake, a podcast of Eastlake Community Church in Irmo, South Carolina. You are invited to join us any Sunday at 9 or 11. Oh, yeah, Neanderthal. A better way to describe that is a word that is multisyllable or is a phrase. Yeah. Because several of what you did earlier were phrases. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Has Rob been so, uh, practicing this during our lunch break? No, I've been in a meeting for Summerama. So okay. I've been, I just need to make sure we got a good, clean game going right now. I, I was a little busy. We were having our summer Rama planning meeting for the training, and so I was a little occupied. Yeah, I was okay. at, uh, eating healthy, organic things from the earth. So this I is a clean a, game. He got a salad or he got sushi. That's what that means. No, I went to Kaba and had and I had lunch with a church member. Oh. Yep. I did. Oh, I had salad and fruit. Nice. I had a burger from Saturday. I mean Sunday. So, uh, so my team picked up lunch. So, so. we're gonna. So how does this game work? Keep telling us, Ray. Right. So I'm going to try to describe a word or phrase, okay. hoping that you guys would guess said yeah, word or phrase. Now, if they get, so they have the option of one or three points. One point is getting the, just getting the one word. Three points is the actual phrase. Okay. <laughs> so let's, 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 you know what, let's, let's get warmed up. Let's just get warmed oh, up. This is just we'll a warm up. Is there, is there a prize for this uh, victory? Oh. No. Well, Philip, to be fair, next week begins the month-long celebration of five the rest of us, meaning you, me, and Laura. What is yeah, that? No, five never mind the fact that Michelle is the only one that wished me a happy birthday on my birthday in April because apparently celebrating not true. is not cool. Well, I got a card today after from you, Ray. Okay, I said on my birthday. You know what? Facebook. <laughs> He was sick. He was home with COVID. It didn't exactly make it easy, right? 
Yeah, pretty sad. That was pretty Rob, sad. Yeah. I'm not going to try to redeem myself. I did not message you. Oh, blew right through it. I blew right through it. And that's okay if you do that to me, too, because I, I don't need That's okay. He's just right. in it for the cake. I'm basically in it for the cake. Maybe a, a <laughs> yeah. First cake. word. Not a wife. Husband. A husband. Rob got it. Rob got it. Now, you want to go off for three? You want to go for three? Is yeah, it okay. One? Okay. One that is good. Good husband. Um, uh, Trophy one husband. One that shows up. Engaged oh. husband. Present husband. Present um, husband. Um, um, invested oh. husband. Um, invested. Oh. In, loving oh. husband. You gotta be oh. done now. This is too many. Uh, uh. Oh, shoot. One that lifts up. One oh, encouraging husband and lifts up. Present, we've already said uh, a husband encouraging. That shows up in, next. Supportive husband. Supportive. Okay. Oh my gosh, that's not even a thing. That wasn't a very that wasn't a very good good clue, right? <laughs> that would be why I'm not married. Yeah. That's... Oh my gosh. So, All right, so now 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 it's game on. I won. No, oh, no, that was that was just, that was no, just a no, no. Hey Rob, I said if it. you wouldn't, if Rob would not it. have won that, he would have said that that was a warm up. But because no, the point, he wants to keep. I would have honored the point. I thought he said I'm going to go easy first. On the hey, editing of this go. podcast, I'm going to replay the tape. I'll replay now the we, tape. <laughs> so let's 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 you know what let's let's get warmed up. Let's just get warmed oh, up. This is just we'll a warm up. Is there? Now we are start. Now we've officially started. We've officially started. Okay. Big wind. Gale. Tornado. Hurricane. Oh, Philip oh. got it. Tornado. Philip got it. Tornado. One point for Philip. You want to go for three or you want to go to the next one? I think we should always go for three. We should go for three. Okay. That should be the standard. Big yeah. wind sound. Howl. Howling. Um, train. Sounds like a train. Remember the first word. The second word comes after this. Big wind. Tornado firing. Tornado oh, that was good. alert. Tornado warning. Drop. Rock. Okay. So one for Philip, three for uh one for Philip, three for Rob. I'm feeling this. My palms are sweaty. Oh, All right, here's the next one. Here's the next one. We'll do we'll we'll do three or four rounds of this. Next word. Show. Fame. Pants. Um, pants. You said pants. pants? Show and showman. Fame. Showman. No one the syllable. Show, right? Oh the no. The show fame. Pants. The show fame pants. It's not one syllable for us, Michelle. We can have oh, multiple. That's syllables. right. The we show have... fame pants. Fame famous. They wear, they wear these pants. Leotards. In, um, in fame. Um, in 
fame. Leggings. Um, uh, kill. I don't know what fame leggings. is. I already said leggings. Um, 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 tights. Yoga pants. Tights, pantyhose. Okay. What does a tight have to do with a man? Tights? I can say man. Oh, I thought you said man. No, he said fame. And I'm like, what are we talking about? All right. We're talking about Listen, Rob just said the word tights. The next thing that I am describing comes before this. So tights is the second word. Okay. So nervous. See through. And, uh, Opaque clear. tights, sheer tights, sheer, sheer tights. All right, good job, Michelle. Well, that's because I've owned tights. them. You, got you probably haven't. You got I've legs. Got I've had to buy them that one, but I got the wrong sheer thing. energy legs. Remember that sheer commercial? <laughs> I do. I was a teenage boy. I was like, wow. We wear short shorts. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, here we go. We're degrading. Okay. Sheer energy legs. I technically Here's the next one. Here's the next one. Not rich. Poor. Poor. Broke. Broke. Philip. Broke. Philip got broke. Two points for Philip. Whoa, I can't hear you. Philip. You want to go for three? Oh. I thought we were always going for three. Right here's the next one. Broke is the second word. All right. All right. All right. Not high. Low broke. Low. Low broke. Low middle broke. middle income broke middle broke. middle class broke oh good night not high and 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 like low very broke very broke completely broke and broke not yeah. not puffed not puffed deflated deflated broke Deflation. It's got to be in the word, man. Deflated. Flat broke. Flat broke. Number three. She got three points. She's up. She's up now. Six points. All right. Now, right. Last I got one. three on the last one. Well, last how, one. How many points? How many points you got? How many points you got? I got four because you stole one of mine. So, okay. All right, here's the here's the last one. Green. Kids not want to eat. Lettuce. Broccoli. Vegetables. Broccoli. Michelle. Michelle, broccoli. She got broccoli. <laughs> okay. Now. Here, gonna... Now broccoli is the second word this time. So you're trying to guess the first word and put it with broccoli. I don't, I get it. Steamed. Boiled. Steamed broccoli. Did I get Steamed it? Broccoli. Ah! I didn't even get a clue. I pulled it out of the air. I pulled it. So my internet is, is lagging in this thing. 
<laughs> no, he never said it. I just guessed it out of the air. He never said a word. I never said it. He, he never, never gave anything. a hint. My internet is like, oh, oh my god. It, it was so. Chanel. What's the score? What's the score? Do we have a tie? Yes, I got four. He's got four. She's got seven. Michelle took right. it. Right. That was the last round. I would like to keep playing until Michelle loses, but we'll give her this one. Yeah, we got to give her one. I never win at these things that we do. I'm like really happy. I get to pull one out today. <laughs> oh, you guys are crazy. I need new friends. I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna go find some new friends. I can't live like this anymore. Oh. All right. Well, let's get let's get to the to um the Sunday that just happened. Oh, there goes Michelle. She's out celebrating. That's it. She's done. She she left to celebrate. She doesn't think she needs to participate now. Uh-huh. She won't. So if you guys are wondering, which you're probably not, but we are currently in a series. Michelle, did you just go do something important to go like celebrate, like run the hallway? No, or I was trying to get I I could not get first I had the light over my head that looked like a halo. Then it was so dark that you were gonna complain that I looked like I sat in the dark. So I shut that off and moved my table so i've got some light wow there you go i'm That's trying to make so... your job easier philip thanks michelle well you're good okay so we're in a series called when helping hurts and we call it a core curriculum here which means we'll come back to it every couple of years because it's just a core thing to us not that this will forever be a core curriculum i mean you never know but Right now, it's something that we feel the need to come back to every couple of years, just because it's important to remember why we do what we do. So yep. this last Sunday, um, let's see, Michelle kicked it off, and then Ray was up there bringing some heat on Sunday. And so really, we're going to discuss the sermon from this Sunday, maybe a little bit of Michelle's, and maybe we're going to try to integrate in a lot of why. We're going to try to answer why throughout this whole thing. Why? Um, the sermon why the series why do we do this that and all that kind of stuff so that's what you can look forward to plus a lot of entertainment from above average smart people and uh, that's why i host so i don't have to answer all right so here we go so first thing let's talk about this was um ray you started it off with talking about your calling on your life and I love that. And we, we talked about that, that that is something that people are really interested in. And so I thought it might be fun to share that in this group. So we kind of heard Ray's, you could give it, you could give a quick version of it if you like. Um, but I'd be curious too, to hear from Rob and Michelle, like, how did you know the call on your life to be a shepherd of people? Okay. So I shared this, actually, I'm going to do the quick version because I typed this in because I was the online pastor on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Um, mine was two, it's two parts. The first seven years was like a slow boiling frog trying to get out of the water. So it's like God had given me some responsibility of shepherding a small group of students at a small church in Vermont. Um, and I loved it, but I didn't think I was going to do that for a living. And so I kept trying to find ways back to the secular world. Um, oh. Got into Young Life, did that. Got fired from Young Life because of my, my relapse that I've been very open about. And thought that was a confirmation that I was supposed to stay secular and work, you know, in a career that looked like my degree was. And mm -hmm. only to find myself missing that opportunity so much that God used it to develop in me a, a desire to become a shepherd 
and, and to submit myself to him more fully with accountability to be healthy. And so in 2001, um, I became a pastor. And two years after that, um, it, the, they affirmed my call um, with, by, by basically licensing and ordaining me. Saying, they did the same thing at the same time and then reaffirmed that after I graduated from Moody. Um, so for me, it was this long process that then all of a sudden in 2001, it was like, this is who you are, embrace it. And God did that through a series of mentors and my wife who, who said to me, you know, why are you resisting God's call in your life? How about we, we, we start pursuing what he might have for you? Um, and then I had a job in a church that I stayed in for 13 years, um, six months after that. Let's go. Cool. Yeah. So it's like two parts, like resisting, embracing. Funny thing about it, when I embraced, I stopped having struggles with the areas that caused me to lose it the first time. So it's like, just my advice to you is when God calls you, don't resist. It's just messy. <laughs> so I had the opposite problem. Um, I felt like there was a call on my life, um, but it came at a time where I couldn't understand how I would fulfill that. And so I wrestled with, is this something that is just, I'm supposed to lead inside of the church? Because that's how some people were called. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I felt like I had this call. I felt like God said to me, I want you to teach. Um, and I even felt like he said that he wanted me to write books, which I've never had the opportunity to do. And I don't know if that will ever happen, but um I felt that. And then I went through a long period of time where God was like, well, now you know this, but you're not allowed to make it happen. You have to wait for my timing. So you just, you know, you be a mom, you do the things you need to do. Um, and when it's time, I will make a way. And so I was the opposite of Rob. I was like, what are we doing here, Lord? Um, and so, you know, I came to South Carolina hoping to go to um, CIU and get a degree which I'm now finishing up. But at the time I was unable to do that. And it was like, God blocked it. And he was like, no, I want to do this in my way, not your way. And yeah. so the things that I felt I was called to have been, you know, definitely other people have spoken into that and affirmed those calls, but it came in his timing, not mine. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. Philip. Um, yeah, I, mine was, a. I mean, each one of ours is interesting, which is what's kind of cool to hear these stories, but I didn't even really know that I was going to be like a worship pastor. That wasn't really a thing that I even knew God could call me to. That wasn't even like, it didn't even really exist in my mind. Um, and I did love music and there was a church fair where churches came to my school because they needed help filling positions or whatever. And they were just like, you know, setting up tables. And I went to this church and they said, we need somebody to do music at our church. And I was like, oh, I can play music. And that was literally the beginning. It was oblivious to like, this is going to be how you, you know, go through life, if you will. So I just didn't even know. Um, but I did know that God was calling me to ministry of some sort, but I never really knew that music could even be an option. And so um, really my story the whole time has been like, God has kind of equipped the call for whatever he's moved me into. Cause I wasn't even really that good. I mean, at that time, whenever I was doing that, I had just failed 
um, getting into the choir. So there's like a choir you had to audition to be in. That's amazing. And I auditioned like this would have been like three months prior. And there were like, and it was a high school choir. You know, it wasn't like good. Maybe six months prior. Kristen was in it. Kristen was singing in the choir. She made it. And uh, I didn't make it. They were like, we're sorry. You just need You're not ready yet. And then six months after that, I was directing a choir. And I remember sitting in the gas station parking lot before they, they interviewed me for this like real job. And I had a book that they gave me in school on how, and it said how to conduct. And I sat in the gas station and learned how to do the motions. And I went into my interview and I was like, well, I do know how to do this. And I showed them and they were like, that'll do. You're hired. We're a tiny church, tiny, tiny church. And uh, that was the beginning, but the calling really revealed itself over time. And then I would say about five years later, whenever there was a, a church that I served for a long time um, before I left, God was moving me to Dallas and they wanted to ordain me. They said, before you go, we want to be the church to ordain you. We've seen these things in your life and we want to affirm it. So that's kind of how it it rolled out, which is what Michelle's about to do, about to do her ordination. Um, well, <laughs> let's I, not put the cart in front of the horse. Yeah, Michelle could fail. Professors from Moody to come down, because that would be fun for you. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Rob. <laughs> so, Rob, are you ordained? I am. I, I, I haven't led with it, because my thing is I'm not ordained by... I'm not ordained by like the Baptists. Okay, That's but you're I've still never... ordained. Yeah, I am. I got the certificate right here. I just usually okay. when people ask me that question. It's about am I ordained by a denomination? And oh. it was a two part. Well, I thought... See, I thought you weren't ordained until you just said that. I well, really no, did. No, I, I don't use it because usually people mean within a denomination. Oh, okay. Yeah. So most people outside of you guys that ask are asking, you know, is it E3? Is it Dida? It's, it's, it's a church followed by the professors at my university. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. yeah so I've been okay. asked, they're asking me if I'm ordained in their denomination, which the answer to that is no, because I've never yeah. done the denominational ordination. Well, we're a non-denominational church. So there you go. I, I, uh, I wonder if I can I show think that's cool to share those stories. Hey. Okay. Go. Because I think a lot of people in church don't know how to discern their call. And I think that um, maybe you, from hearing us share our stories, you realize like it kind of happens. God does it like God moves you. And I mean, you can resist it like what Ryan Rob's story a little bit, but it's different for everybody. And, uh, mm -hmm. and if it is a genuine calling from God, he opens doors and puts you in places and gets you into schools and, you know tells people to ordain you or whatever it, you know i mean it, it it just works out so follow god and uh, you'll know but here's the next question that well, i think is a good else about that philip real quick um and you don't have to be quote unquote ordained with a piece of paper on your wall for True. god to call you to the gospel ministry because sometimes mm -hmm. i think people use and one of the reasons i've never led with it is because i don't want the impression to be that this piece of paper makes me different from my wife, who is a follower of Christ, who is supposed to do gospel ministry day in and day out. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and it's a good thing, by the way, because it, it, it's helpful for all these cool tax purposes and all these other amazing things about affirming your call, especially. 
But just know that you were ordained by God the day you became a believer to be a spokesman of the gospel. You yeah. just get to do it in whatever profession you're in. Yeah. I just like to add yeah. that. It's important for I us. I like that. Remember. And it, I couldn't oh, agree yeah. more. Um, so this is kind of a cool segue. Um, so we're in the series, When Helping Hurts. What does being a shepherd have to do with when helping hurts? Why do we talk about being a shepherd in the middle of a series on when helping hurts? I, I know what you guys, I think I know what you guys would say, but I thought that's a good one for people. So what do you think, guys? You know, it's interesting because if you want to do good work with people, anybody can do that. Whether you're a believer or non-believer, you can all go and do loving things for your neighbors or for the students or for the uh, first responders. But the question is, why are you doing it? For a believer, mm -hmm. the reason why you're doing it is because it was modeled to you by your Lord and Savior. It's the mission that you are called to to do. Uh, it's, it's not something that you volunteer for. No, you, you are a servant because you were served by a savior who died for you. And so therefore, the reason why we want to talk about it in this context is that if we, if we say that we're following after Christ, then he came to serve, not to be served. And so for us, it is good that we are modeling what he did for us. Yeah. That's good. I, I think it's, you said it right. It, we are, all of us on this, on this podcast and in the, in the homes listening are, are under shepherds of the good shepherd. And so the concept of understanding what shepherds do in that language is very important if we're going to try to help people in a way that doesn't hurt them because the shepherd will never hurt his, his or her flock. It, it's actually counter to everything. I mean, think about the, the society in which this was written to. It, to hurt your flock was to cost you livelihood and, yeah. and, and to literally harm you yourself because mm -hmm. if you hurt your flock, then you're out that money, you're out that food source, you're out that clothing source. And so... Mm -hmm. Remember, with the Bible not being written to us, but being written for us, the idea of shepherding is really important to grasping what we're called to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. Do you have any additions, Michelle? You don't have to. No, I, no. I think they, they summed that, kind of, that up really well. They summed it up. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. I just think it's good to make that connection back to what this has to do with when helping hurts. You, you have to be able to... Um, know the why behind what you're doing, who you're doing it for, and have it modeled to you. And so we're looking at what God has done to us as the great shepherd too, you know, what, how he guards and protects us. Yeah, and he had a lot to say about shepherds who did not do their jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, when you read the prophets, it's all through the prophets. And you know, people think that um, God judged because of immorality and because of, but when you read the prophets, it really, he judged because they didn't care for one another. He judged because they didn't take care of the poor. He judged because um, they were not, um, you know, treating each other fairly in accordance with his law. 
And so a good shepherd is always, you know, looking for the best welfare for their sheep. So true. So there's this passage that um, I think Ray read in the service, um, John 10, 1 through 10. And it's cool because it's Jesus talking in this parable. But honestly, like for me, I'm not an intellectual. I mean, I'm a smart guy, but I'm not an intellectual. Like sometimes things fly over my head until I hear them like four times. But I love this parable because it's got the gate. It's got the enemy trying to get in. It's got like Jesus is the gate. Um, It's just kind of it's just a great passage to kind of just read like five times and notice something different every time. Um, But it's like, for instance, says, truly, I tell you, anyone who does who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in another way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he's brought them all all his own outside he goes ahead of them the sheep follow him because they know his voice they will never follow a stranger instead they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers and like there's a lot in there that's john 10 1 through 10 if you guys want to read that um at home or whatever um so a couple things you said he gathers the sheep he guards the sheep he's a gate there's somebody trying there's an enemy trying to steal kill and destroy but he comes to give life what does it mean that Jesus is the, or, or that he is the gate? Like, what is he talking about? Is it like, what does that mean? I, for people that read that and say a gate, huh? He's the guardian. He's the guardian. And so, you know, when I was growing up, if you really wanted to, and this is old school, but if you really wanted to date a girl, you had to go meet her dad. You'd have to ask her dad if you could take her out, whether that was to the prom, whether that was just to a dance or to the park, and, and just regular, um, in our culture, it was acceptable that you would go to the dad. And if the dad was not in the home, you would have to, you should go to the mom. And so Either way, you're going to the person that literally had authority, charge, and responsibility to care for that that person before going to them. Yeah. Now, in the context of this text, the person that did not go through the gate, that did not go through the guardian, looked to get in another way to circumvent having to go to the guardian. So, you know, this is when guys or whatever want to date somebody and didn't want to go through her parents because they had different intentions because the hope is when you go through the guardian, that guardian will vet mm-hmm. who you are. Because the text says, if I let them in and my sheep know them, they will be led out by them. But if you are not, the sheep run from you. And so Jesus is the guardian. So the same would apply for us. Who's the guardian of your heart and your head? Mm. who is it that they that a person needs to go through to get to you or do you are you of the are you of the elk that you don't need somebody yeah you're standing outside the fence yeah to be in the fence is to be guarded by god 
and yeah. and protect it. You know, I guarded his protection. And you know, it's like when when my son wanted to go enter his first dating relationship, I used some of this imagery and said, "You need to go and ask permission. And if it is not given to you, you do not have my permission." Mm -hmm. uh, and it went great. You know, I, I even bribed the guy to make it hard on Jacob, and he and and, and he did a little bit. Um, <laughs> Um, but his daughter stopped him short, said, don't be too mean. But, but the point was the mm -hmm. conversation that we had was I, I went to some of this about Jesus guarding us and how parents and fathers are there to guard the hearts of, of daughters and, and talked about how someday, Jacob, you're going to find the girl down the line that you're going to go and have an even more important conversation. It's going to be something more than dating and yeah. you've got to be of good mind of understanding the protector of who you are so that you can protect um, the hearts of those that God gives you even short-term relationship with where you can care for them. Because I, I don't want to teach people that sneaking in the back door is ever healthy. And, and mm -hmm. sometimes we think it is, and it's a shortcut and shortcuts do not work. Yep. No, they don't. What do you, what do you think, Michelle, like as far as being a single woman <laughs> and I, I am making the relation into dating, but I mean, I hope this isn't weird. If it is, I'll cut it out. But I'm, <laughs> I'm like, you know, with, with people like what, <laughs> this is going to be weird. I'm going to ask it anyways. Here we go. <laughs> like, how would somebody do that in an attempt to, to, to be in a relationship with you? I mean, how does that how does that work for single people in dating relationships? And I'm not trying to give people, this yeah. is, if you want to date Michelle, here's how. That's what I'm not trying to be weird about. But just in general, <laughs> as a single person, like what, what are you looking yeah. for? You know? <laughs> yeah, you have to go through my Papa Ray. Did you see him looking at the face? Well, um, They're coming through all three of us. We're basically all yeah. your brothers. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I think it's really important. I was in a small group recently and um, of single ladies, and we were talking about dating. One of them asked me, do you date? Um, and, you know, I made my standard joke about, you know, divorced pastors over 50, that the pool is small, and that is true. Um, but the truth is, you know, what my counsel was go slow. You know, so this is a grown woman. Um, she doesn't have a father here to look after her. She's like, I really think this guy is the real deal. I'm like, go slow. And um, one of the other ladies jumped in and said, you know, you should ask him to go through every man a warrior with one of our pastors and let them tell you, which I thought was an excellent idea. Yeah, I did. That'll be um, money. That'll weed them out. That'll weed them out. <laughs> That'll get them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so I thought that was really good. So I would say to women, you know, if he's not a believer, first of all, then that's out of bounds. Don't even start getting your heart involved in that. You're asking for trouble. If he is a believer, then the people who love you, you need to hear what they have to say about this person. And maybe they'll know him because he's part of your life, or maybe he's new and coming from a different part. You need to expose him to trustworthy people who can give you feedback. And you need to receive that before you guard your heart. Okay, guard your heart. Do not let your heart be all wound up in this man before people who you trust say, yes, 
I think this person would be good for you. And so you're not wrong when the three of you say that have to go through us, because that's one of the things that would be really important to me is I would want the people who love me and you guys are some of those people to say, yes, I think that that could be a good match for you. That's worth, you know, considering or dating or exploring. Mm -hmm. So I just think women need to go slow. Sometimes mm -hmm. our hearts, we don't guard our hearts and we allow our hearts to make a connection with somebody before we really understand their character. And it takes a long time to know somebody's character. It does. It's always interesting to me too, that whenever um, people um, start dating, many people, when they start dating, they disappear. Like they'll be in community. Yes. They yes, will be no. in community. And then all of a sudden they have a new boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And they disappear from their community. Sometimes God is working through your community to help vet these people. If they can't be around your right. closest friends and you have to be a different person around them, then you are like, why can't everybody be together? I've always wondered that. I don't know why. Um, I do know why people say that, but, but it's not healthy. <laughs> no, it's not healthy. Well, and, you know, I think we have to remember that sometimes when you're dating, you have, you know, you're in love, it's all fun. But when you're going to go the distance with somebody, you both need that community. You know, you, if you abandon all of your community to date, and then you get married or, you know, you hit a problem, then you have nobody to fall back on. That's just not smart. There should be room in your life for more than one relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the problem is, it, you know, who are you worshiping in that case? You have to stay worshiping the good shepherd, no matter who else is in that pen with you. As you look yeah. around the other sheep that might be, there to care for you a little bit too that you know if you if you notice sheep they funnel each other they do that kind of stuff but you gotta not take your eyes off the good shepherd and and that's where the gate comes back into play the gate is meant to not only stop wolves from getting in but sheeps from getting out and getting into trouble and so having that gate in place who is jesus is so critical in all of our relationships that's good i think we have time for one more quick question um, and you don't have to share it on this if you don't want to, but, um, has there ever been a time that it's really been hard for you to follow the shepherd, the good shepherd to follow, you know, has there ever been a season that you thought this is just, eesh, this is hard. I'm, I want to do things on my own. I can actually be quick this time because, um, both of our journeys into parenthood with each of the children. There were moments where it was almost where if in all honesty, if I did not have practices in place that would ever keep me from doing so, I would have given up. Um, yeah. so, so my answer is yes. But what kept me from doing it was I had put practices that were not connected to my emotions that kept me in front of the good shepherd. But yeah. yes, I, and when we yeah, were emotions, <laughs> when we were struggling with the adoption process, and wondering if we're ever going to have kids, there was a point where I was like, okay, God, I'm going to try my own way. But the things I had put in place to catch me that the shepherd had given me stopped me. And, and yeah. for instance, the gate closed and he kept me in the pen, even though mm -hmm. I, I'm well, Let me say my, so I, I need to preface this really, really fast. I'm going to be just as quick as Rob. Uh, my last church, I was 
pastoring there for almost eight years. I'd attended there for close to a decade. Here's the deal. Well, 12 years. Here's the deal. My first year of pastoring there, it was very, very, very difficult. And it was because I bought into the one church, three campuses mantra, but I felt like I was on my own. And I, and it wasn't just me feeling that way. I mean, physically, I was. I was on my own. I did not get the support that I felt I needed and that others told me I deserved and should have been able to count on. So that first year was difficult. I had my performance review and I had a meltdown with my staff and my superiors to tell them, we say that we're this, but I feel like it's this. I'm by myself. And the help that I've needed, I haven't gotten. And it took them a season, meaning three or four months, to get their bearings. And then they began to do some things. But it was the season for me to learn how to rely on the Good Shepherd and not rely on people because it was his church. And he had a plan for his church, even if they didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a lot of times when it's been difficult to follow Jesus. And I would say that um, if you're a believer, don't think that that is unusual. Okay. Like we get into problems, relationships, challenges all the time that make it hard to do things Jesus way. Part of what kept me or keeps me in times like that is that when I was younger, I chose my own way and the consequences were huge. Mm-hmm. And I'm still paying some of those consequences today. And so I have learned, it's like, it does not matter. It is what Jesus says. If I understand it's what Jesus says, even if it's hard, I have to find a way to do that in his strength and power. But I have to submit to it because to go the other way, it is not good. Yeah. It is not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think for me too, there's just been seasons of ministry. I mean, that have just been like, this is hard. I'm with Ray on that of like, man, this just is not what I, I, well, I didn't sign up for anything. I mean, God, God called me, but yeah. Did you have something, Ray? I want you, Philip, if you can, if you can tell the story of us interviewing you in your tiny house, where you were at. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, that question makes me think yeah. of where you were when we called you. Yeah, I mean, it's a deep, I can share it. It's a deep story. I, I think I can, sh- I'll try my best to share it quickly. Um, but basically, so if I've been in ministry about 25-ish years, give or take a year, um, I would say almost all of that up until this move. Okay, not all of it, but a strong 15 to 17 years was very megachurch minded. And when I say megachurch minded, I mean like everything has to be bigger than life. It's got to be Instagram worthy. You have to be a certain weight. You have to be a certain age. You need to you need to embody these things that everybody wants you to embody, so that you can basically live out what um, they can't live out themselves. People come to you know they wow we love our pastors they're so amazing, 
and it's basically pedestals. Um, and not every church is like that, but that was the, that was my history. And um, it was just a flawed, broken system that I couldn't deal with much longer. And I, I couldn't deal with any longer, honestly. And so for me, I was very stuck because I felt like this is just the way it is. This is modern church, either get in or get out. And I was like, I don't like modern church, but I don't want to get out. And I basically thought I have to leave the church. I, in order, how do I say this? I felt as though I didn't want to leave God, but I felt like I had to leave the church. And if you leave the church, you're leaving God. And I realized I, me leaving the church does not mean I'm leaving God. Does that make sense in, in that context? And, and again, you have to remember, that's not every church. That, that was just my experience of a slow fade into performanceism. And so when Eastlake came along, it just seemed very refreshing that the focus and the attention was on completely different things. And uh, honestly, God had me in a place where something was going to need to change one way or another. And I, Eastlake didn't even have a pastor at the time. And for me, though, it was I was like, honestly, I've seen as bad as it gets, like no pastor, no problem. Like I've seen way worse. Uh, that the, <laughs> having no pastor is the least of my concerns and, well, and it really pastor. we had five pastors but we didn't have a lead pastor we didn't yeah, have we a lead five pastors yeah and i just thought well may i know something needs to be different i don't know what needs to change but i know something needs to be different and what eastlake was doing or attempting to do seemed different and it also didn't seem popular and i was like well that's okay with me i'm sick of popular I already know how to do that and it's lame. Um, and so, you know, like people are mad. Well, you know, people were mad at Jesus. So um, anyways, that's a long story and I didn't go that deep into it, but that I hope I, that kind of helps. But yeah, you know, I want to leave I God. I just didn't want, I never wanted to leave the good shepherd ever, but I felt I was attaching God to church. And that's a shame that I had to make that separation temporarily that, okay, God is existing in other places and in other churches. And so as what I knew as the church, I had to separate God from that. Mm. If that sounds, does that make sense? Does that need translating? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, I remember when, um, when we interviewed you, one of the things, so it was, um, Ray and Rob and I and Leah that interviewed you, yep. right? Yep. And, um, and so one of the things we were praying, the four of us, was that if you were the right person, you would be comfortable with this idea of us not having a lead pastor, but that we had an executive team. And we knew the person that was the right fit would, would be okay with that. And look mm -hmm. how God works. Isn't that funny? <laughs> And I was like, oh, the executive team sounds great. Actually, because I really, I remember thinking a diversified leadership can only be healthy. Only good things can come from a diverse leadership that that's genuinely has voices in to decision-making and not one person at the top. Yeah. Wow. God is good, man. He's a good shepherd. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Okay, so I got to wrap it up just because it's about that time. 
But um, final thoughts, anything we need to talk about real quick as we close? Only uh, dedication. We've got yep. family dedication coming up and we got a meeting for that. Um, you can go online to eastlakeonline.com events and you can sign up to be at that meeting this week where Laura will go through what that means. If you have a 12 year old that you've never dedicated, that you can do it, newborn, you know, maybe you're new to the faith and you're like, we never dedicated our children. I mean, this is open to you. We've had all ages um, of minor children dedicated and it's a cool thing to do. Um, also got Summerama coming up and we need more volunteers for Summerama. We got a meeting coming up on that in a couple weeks. So you can go online and look that up as well. It'd be super cool. This week I'm gonna, at the end of the service, throw on my Summerama shirt and make this plug at the end of my message. Um, but I'll stick to you right now, sign up now for a meeting on the 7th and you can help us with a great program throughout the month of June. That's good. And it's about season to start nominating elders too. So be in prayer for that because elder nominations are around the corner. Um, but you need to be praying about that if you're gonna nominate somebody yet. And don't, we're not messing around with that stuff. The leadership, it's gotta be God in, in it. So start praying. Um, okay, I think that's it. We'll sign off yep. and see everybody All else right. later or sooner. Who knows? Yeah. Bye. East Lake Community Church is an intentional, multicultural community empowered by the Holy Spirit. We passionately pursue a loving relationship with God and everyone Jesus was sent to die for, here, near, and far. 